you're listening to the Insights for Entrepreneurs series with KPMG Private Enterprise. I'm Ian Kyo and today I'm joined by Andrew Shocknessy, who's the chief executive and founder of the internal communication software firm Populo. You're very welcome, Andrew. Now, we're, we're going to talk about lots of things. We're going to talk about building the business, things you've done well, things you've done badly, raising money. But before we do all that, let's ground the conversation. Populo. You might explain to our listeners what it does and the sale and the scale, should I say, and the size of your business. Sure. So um, we're about 250 people. Um, about 60 of those are in Boston, the rest in Cork. We're in the employee communications market. That's where large organizations with, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of employees are trying to keep them aligned and communicate with them across the globe. So the biggest companies in the world. Yes. Yeah. 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 And the the problem that we're solving for them is trying to keep that um, that global workforce all aligned behind the strategy of the company. It's that voice of the company, the, the leadership voice of the company out to all the employees. And that's the problem we solve. Yeah. And I, I mean, you're probably not doing yourself justice, but if you talk about the, t- the, the sort of companies that you work with, it's Rolls-Royce, Bank of New York, LinkedIn. I mean, they really, I was going to say they really are the Rolls-Royce of companies, but in this case, it, they, it really is. Yeah, so we've got um, something approaching 900 of the world's largest organizations are using uh, the software that we've developed in Cork um, to, to run their internal comms. Now, it wasn't always internal comms. And what's really interesting about this business, we often talk an awful lot about pivoting as if companies are trying to scratch the next big business idea. But you pivoted not just away from your previous business model and the type of customers you were after, but you also pivoted away from your previous name. That's right. We, yeah, we did. Um, quite, it was quite a large pivot. Over the years, like I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in this, I'm in business now for a long time and I've done a number of pivots and I've done them for different reasons. Uh, some, y- you pivot because the thing you're doing has just failed and, 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 uh, and you're trying to find, and the, you're next trying to find the next thing. This one was, was more a, an ambitious one. It was more we weren't getting the growth that, um, that I was looking for. We were in the email marketing space. The, the company name was Newsweaver. And uh, we were doing very well and we had great customers and still have a lot of them. Um, but I was looking to grow really rapidly and, and, uh, and that. And we had a lot of strong competition in that market. It was very hard to find a niche that you could be the best at. So we searched. But you were, but you were doing, sorry, you were doing just fine. It wasn't as if, you know, you were scaling back. You had a, a nicely profitable, robust business. Yeah, it, it it was going well, and it's, I suppose it's a matter of of uh, well, we we were growing very slowly, and we'd put a lot of effort to get that far, and that's really not what it was about. We 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 had bigger sort of global ambitions, really. I suppose we wanted to be a global player, and so we searched, and we we found the world of internal communications. You know. A number of our customers were using us for internal comms, using the marketing software. So we started to understand that and and get to know it and see that actually the companies who were best at internally communicating were outperforming the companies who were least good at internally communicating in the marketplace in terms of share price and, and profitability and that. And there was research showing that and I thought, wow. If that's true, there's going to be a big shift in, into this world of internal comms. And 
when I again looked at it, I saw that you know it was obviously a global market, but that the our competition was not focused on it. In fact, nobody was focused on it. So that just I just put those two together and said, you know, big market coming, nobody focused on it. Now we can do this and we can be global and we just went for it. But how do you do that? I mean, you've obviously got a team, you've a big staff. It's it's, it's you just go in and says, Andrew says we're doing this today. We're companies in an entirely different direction. We're going with a new name and a new model. How do you get that sort of employee buy-in. Yeah. Well, the new name and that didn't come didn't come straight away. Um, the uh, I suppose you've got to have a clear vision of where you're going and and, and I suppose you you lay out this is this is where we're going if we stay where, as we are. This is where we could go if we adopt this and this is why I think it can work. Um, and then you you just it, you you bring people with you. You I mean half the, half the group will love that and will be with you straight away. Um, the others are the ones who who need the detail. Who say, well, you know, who's the buyer? What kind of budgets do they have? What are the real problems that they have? How can we build this? You know, will people buy from us? All all those sorts of questions. And we just set out with those with those people. Yeah, these are the things we're going to find out, and that's what we're here for. That's the day job. <laughs> And it worked. I mean, you went from a place of slow growth to rapid growth. Rapid growth. Well, we changed from from very from you know no to single figure growth um, to thirty percent growth, and we've done that each year for the last seven years. So that's um, yeah. And you had a, a really big event earlier this year. You went off and you raised quite a lot of money, thirty million uh, from one of the world's most high-profile and biggest investors. How did you manage to do that? Well, I, I, um, well, we managed to do it because we had a, a very good story. I mean, here you've got a, a capital-efficient um, business that is growing at 30% a year, is able to demonstrate um, a, a sort of a strong vision of where we can of of what the opportunity that's there for us and um, yeah we got quite a lot of interest we got quite a lot of interest in, in and the in day the you round. closed the day were you over in the US when you closed it or no actually the um, the. Uh, the, the the close itself was a bit of an anticlimax. You know, I was waiting for this big signature and uh, and the thing. But uh, in the end, I think uh, some of the people on the other side were in the states. Some of them were in uh, were in Israel. Uh, there were the solicitors were in Dublin, and and I was in Cork. And it, we were just uh, all separate. It was all done remotely. Wow. Well, still now before we before we spoke today, I asked you to identify a number of things that Popular had done well, and you had done well with Popular. A number of things. You might do differently if you were starting again. I suppose the big thing you've done when we've talked about it was that idea of pivoting for a global opportunity mm-hmm. that others were neglecting. It was a big move. We've discussed it and we'll come back to it in a little while. But the other point that you identified was around cash. How you managed cash very well. And you even referred to it again in your investment conversation where you were talking about having a capital efficient business. Mm-hmm. I mean, even before you raised the money, you were kind of almost watching the cent and the euro on a day-by-day basis. Yeah. Um, I think... Th- I think that depends too. I mean, we did that and we did that very well. And that was the first major, first really money of any description we'd taken into the the, yeah. the, the, the popular business. Um, and 
I think there's, there's, there's two major approaches. You either try and do it self-funded and, and grow yourself, or you get into the kind of you know seed fund, Series A, B, C, etc., um, where uh, in, in the first round, you've kind of got to make ends meet. And, and make a profit and you know you go that way and you you retain a greater share of the business you go the other way and you're diluting but you can grow faster you've you've got the cash and you've got to kind of decide where where you sit and we went a long way um, uh, self-funded and that has a lot of advantages and a lot of good things but you know as we were uh, as we were being more successful and the opportunity was getting larger in front of us, th- we needed to grow faster than you can do, um, in, certainly in, a, in an enterprise software business like Populo. I mean, it really depends. If I was in a business that was really throwing off cash at a great rate, you wouldn't be looking to... Nobody wants to go out and raise money, really, you know, um, if you think about it. But... Uh, we saw an opportunity if we could move faster and develop the opportunity was even bigger for us mm-hmm. and so that it made total sense to me i'm not wedded to to being one way or the other and uh, so we raised we raised the money to go after that the other thing that i found striking that you identified was a retention rate a customer loyalty retention mm-hmm. rate of 93% which has to be the envy of so many saas companies and kind of you know any company really yeah. Do you know what? I, I was thinking about that and I, I think that comes out of, um, it comes out again out of the approach, you know, when you're self-funded, right? When you make a, a sale with a customer and you actually get a customer and you've got this big name and that, you will do anything to keep that customer happy. And when you come up that route, that's just the way you are and it's embedded then in the company and uh, whereas if you if you've if you've got loads of cash and you're trying to you know and you're spending to 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 grow you you don't maybe think as tightly as that so we started like that and then we just made it a, built it into our culture and a way of being like you know i'll say to everyone in the in the in the support team and, and that when they join you know i'm saying you know when when you get a call from a customer you're not answering their question you're solving their problem, and so and and they keep that in mind, and that's the, the that's the, the kind of the, the approach. But again, that's another point I think you've raised, which is, is that working with your own employees and having that sort of sense of company culture? Because culture is a word that's thrown around. It can be in zeitgeist. People talk about values, honesty, mm. transparency. You can write these things up on the wall, but it needs to be more than a slogan. Absolutely, it does, and and uh, it needs to be lived in the company. And uh, I've seen, I've been in, worked in many companies before I uh, I started and founded um, Populo, where it was just not the case. They were written down, but they weren't they weren't adhered to. So you know, for me, the culture goes way back to you know um, prior to uh, prior to being in the in in the tech world. I was in the family business and textiles, and it closed back in 1988. Um, and it was a, a very painful time. But when I was trying to save that business, and I was in my early 20s, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was trying. Um, I came across a culture, and it was us and them management employees, very separate. So it was really hard to get engagement and ideas and things to, to, to try and change or, or, or move it, and that business went. And I vowed to myself that if I ever ran a company of my own again, that I would have a, an inclusive, open culture where everybody was involved, everyone's ideas were taken forward and, and, and valued, and, and that's the basis of But how do you get that? Culture. How do you implement that culture? Is it the people you employ? 
Is it how you engage with them? Is it how they engage with you? Yeah. So so we set we set out what the what the values for the for the business are, were, and that was a that was a, a, a bottom up process where everyone in the business was was repre- you know was represented some way and came up with the the values that were the sort of values that will that we we um, we felt were necessary to 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 really um, you know have that culture and a culture that could uh, be a global leader as well. It's not just all being nice to each other. You know, you've you've got to be winners as well. Um, so we said about that and, and we wrote them down. And then we use that as a filter when we hire. Um, so we're looking, you know, we're looking for the skill set that we're, you know, in, in, in the job hire, but we're but more than that, we're looking for how does this person fit within the culture that we've defined here? And, uh, and if any one of the people interviewing raises a, a red flag, then we don't hire. God, that's really interesting. And we've talked about there's four of the things that you've done well. Just We'll touch briefly upon the other side, and I don't want to dwell upon the negatives, but people can get learnings from them as well. I asked you to have some thoughts around what you hadn't done as well, and if you were starting from scratch, uh, what would you do differently? I think one of the things, it was an interesting point, and I hadn't thought about it before, you, were, you made the point that you didn't put a strong product management function in place early enough. What do you mean by that? Mm. From from the technical side of things, um, the back I, I i suppose i had been uh, i didn't understand really the the the, the importance of the product management function as as opposed to you know uh, when you're sales driven you, you and you you've an idea of what you want in the product you hand it into engineering and get them to say build this build this build this um and you know that can work to to a certain extent at a smaller level but really when you know the business any business any product it starts with the customer and what the customer the problem that you're solving for the for the customer and what is the problem that you solve that they're willing to pay money for that's the that's the kernel and that's what the product people do they really understand that and bring that into the business and translate that into uh, you know translate it for the for the engineers and the engineers take that and then solve that problem yeah, and so that function is key to that the other point about about money we touched upon this earlier on but should you have gone out to the markets earlier yeah. i mean is that a conversation you often have in your mind um it is and uh, in hindsight, if I look back, I'd probably have done it uh, about two years earlier than I did. Um, I think you get into a, a habit of being self-funded and, and doing things and you're, 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 you're trying, to, um, trying to continue as best you can. But when I see the advantages now of having that money, of being able to come into a planning session and work out, well, what should we be doing rather than what can we afford to do? What can that's, we actually do? That's yeah, one yeah. thing. Another area is around you know, being able to hire hire ahead, hire senior people who might otherwise and have this is broken else you your identified. salary yeah. scale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people who, who would break your salary scale. And, um, you know, to be able to hire those and bring them in. And now I'm seeing the benefit that that brings you know um, when again when you're self-funded it's it's harder maybe to do that and the mistake I was making was really I was hiring for where I was rather than for where I was going you know I you know we, you I I got to look kind of like five years down the line and say where are we going to be and we're pretty darn ambitious so who does it who's it going to take to be able to run that department or in five years time because that's the person that I hired today to get us there I mean you've also 
you know, you've, you've expanded internationally. Uh, that's gone well for you. I mean, you've come across a model that seems to work. Yes, we've put. Um, well, well, we looked at the at the market and saw that for you know the the global headquarters, some of the largest organisations, the biggest concentration of those is in the US, and and it's that single single currency, single language market. Um, uh, so we just decided if we we're going to go for that market seriously, we need to be on the ground there. So we put an office on the ground in the US, but uh, I think we learned from past mistakes. Um, and the, my first hire was a senior hire who could run that office, who could be the president of Populo um, yeah. US. You know, a bold statement when there's only one person there. But we took that approach and had that person, one, who had the skills to be able to build that office, but two, then, who I stayed really close with and got was and worked really closely with the entire management team. Mm. Now, you know, today the management team is pretty much split globally across both the US and, and, uh, and, and, and the Cork headquarters. But the idea here is that it's one management team. We're, we're, we're one company. It's not popular US and popular EU. It's, it's one team who just happens to be geographically dispersed. That's great. Finally, and the final point you made in relation to things you might do differently, you said when you started, perhaps too operationally focused as opposed to looking at the long-term strategy. It's an interesting point because when you do set up a business, you're, it's day-to-day, have I enough cash, is everything happening, are we going in the right, as opposed to where are we going to be in five, ten years' time? Yeah. I think that's another thing that, and that's where, where I said maybe I should have got that money a few years earlier because what happens is, it's, it's like you said there, when you are self-funded and when it's really tight, the management time it takes to 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 stay on top of that is huge, and it drags your it dragged my focus internally in the business in running that to make that happen, and it's very hard to both do that, but have the heads up out strategically. What are your competition doing? How are things shifting in the market? What new technologies are there? How should we be reacting to this? And that's a full-time job. So you can't do those two full-time jobs. So um, I, I think the... the um, for me, it, it's uh, you know now I've managed to, to 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 split that and with the with the money involved, been able to, to be able to to, to do that. And finally, finally, now you have that there. You've the money, you've the headspace to think about the future. Five, we're sitting here in five years' time or ten years' time. What will Populo look like? Oh well, Populo will conti- will continue to grow, and the reason I can I can say that is because. Um, I, I think the world of internal comms is broken. Uh, I think people are only just beginning to realize this. We did research across our customers and we have a broad range of customers and we did a wide uh, um, kind of diverse across different industries, different countries, different everything. And we talked with the internal comms people and the management and that, but we also talked and interviewed the employees. And what we got back here is that there's a gulf between what management and comms companies are pushing out to employees and what actually employees are looking to to um, to, to get. When they get, want to get it, how they get it and what they want to get, they're really clear on that and that's not happening at the moment. And Populo is setting itself up uh, out there to solve that problem. 
Andrew, listen, thank you very much for joining me here today with the Insights for Entrepreneurs series with KPMG Private Enterprise and very best wishes with the business going forward. Thanks, Ian.